From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Sumitra Kandelwal on minimizing the femto-learning curve, and Sumit Sam Garg on fluidics with venturi and peristaltic pump systems. I think we're actually doing it differently in that we're, we're making them do the femtosecond cataract surgery similar to their conventional um, center. So First this. If time and money were no object, you'd probably go to a lot of meetings. Not just ASCRS, but ESCRS, APACRS, AAO, Hawaiian Eye, and Winter Update, and you'd learn a ton. But money is an issue, and time an even bigger one. That's why I go to all of those meetings for you, speak with the presenters you'd like best, and get them to distill their talks down to just a few minutes. You can see all of these interviews at no cost at the iWorld Replay website. Just go to ewreplay.org, E-W-R-E-P-L-A-Y.org, and enjoy. I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the Combined Ophthalmic Symposium in San Antonio, Texas. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. Today, we'll hear from Sumitra Kandawal on minimizing the femto learning curve and Sumit Sam Garg on fluidics with Venturi and peristaltic pump systems. I'm here with Sumitra Kandelwal. Sumitra, you you and I both spend a, a lot of time teaching. You and I spend a lot of time learning. For me, this year was about making the the transition to to femtosecond cataract surgery. Now I need to help my residents make that that transition too, and I want to be able to do that in a way that is going to be healthy for the patients having surgery. Um, What can I do, what can they do to make the learning curve a little bit easier? Um, well, you know, I think a lot of literature that goes over the femtosecond learning curve can be really easily translated to residents and resident education. Same with um, just any time you teach a resident, you like them to do things in steps, a stepwise approach. And so what we found is they're very nervous about their first femtosecond, nervous slash excited. Um, so kind of taking some of the unknown elements out of it really helps. First off, of course, having them do all the training, but then also um, do the um, watch us do a couple of cases. Um, the third step we usually do is we will dock for them because that is the unknown. They've never done any docking. Most of them have barely even seen refractive surgery. So we'll actually do the docking for them and that tends to have better outcomes per the literature. A lot of the um, issues with the capsular excess and a lot of the issues with um, uneven cracks comes from docking. And so so we'll take that element out and then and then we'll actually, you know, take out the wounds as well because we kind of find both for the residents as well as um, even for us, the wounds sometimes are the weakness in femtosecond. So doing sort of a stepwise approach really helps. And so um, at our VA, we sort of created a stepwise approach for them um, in that we dock first and we don't do wounds in the beginning. Um, and then we add the docking element and then we add the wounds. Um, and then, and you know, the actual rexus removal tends to be pretty straightforward for them. Um, having an experienced person next to them to assess for capsular integrity helps as well. So when you're when you're mm-hmm. docking it, so you're you're docking it, but you're, then mm-hmm. you have them physically step yeah. down on the on the pedal. Exactly. 
exactly. Well, no, actually, we'll have we'll have we'll actually do the docking for them, um, and then and we'll have them do the case, and so they'll make the ma- manual incisions, um, and then they'll they'll see because the view is a little poor, and, and they're always distracted by right. the way the bubbles and and the lack of red reflex, and then they can assess the capsule, and then they can FACO um, using their standard technique, four quadrants um, with one circular block in the middle tends to be a good way to start, um, and then and then we'll add the the docking to it because the docking takes a little longer, and and we've seen that it takes about two or three attempts actually um, not necessarily with suction but they'll have to sometimes uh, you know go on maybe two or three times and that adds time to the case as well there's a a, a complaint that that teachers have uh, mm-hmm. that residents are getting less experience suturing because we're doing clear corning wounds we're doing small wounds we're doing self-skilling wounds and when they 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 do have to suture it's always a, a much more painful process for us mm-hmm. um, than it than it used to be. Are we going to hear the same things now going forward about capsular access? I mean, I think the thing is is starting them out doing manual capsular access is still very, very important. So we actually do not have uh, the residents do uh, femtosecond until the second half of their third year. And so they've already had much experience. They've already gone over the, the regular cataract surgery learning curve, so to speak. Um, and, and as we go on, maybe we'll see more and more that that, that timing can be brought up a little earlier. But for now, um, we would like them to, to at least learn manual cataract surgery from beginning to end and feel confident about it before they come in there. And it's hard to predict the future I mean, you know, it's hard for, you know, to do an extra cap or a scleral tunnel. And so there is uh, always going to be that argument of are we losing some skills? But at the same time, we're gaining a lot of skills, too. And I think everyone has to realize there's always going to be aspects of that. Sure. Now, are, are mm-hmm. there steps that, that, you, that you have them, them do, modifications in technique, when they're doing conventional phaco surgery before femto to sort of get into that femto vein, one of the things that, that I'm thinking of is for my residents, what I'll typically start having them do is make the cataract wound, the clear cornea wound, a little bit more anterior in the cornea because that's where it's going to be made with the femto later on. Um that's definitely a good idea. I think we're actually doing it differently in that we're, we're making them do the femtosecond cataract surgery similar to their conventional um, center. So, so instead, of, there's so many different ways um, and advantages to the femtosecond as far as nuclear disassembly. Um, but rather than teach them all those ways, we are actually teaching them to do it, do a groove, split it like you normally do. Um, our residents chop, so do horizontal chop. And they're amazed at how easy it is to do that. Um, and, and that's sort of how we're taking it. You know, I still don't know if the wounds, I know there's a lot of debate about the wounds of the femtosecond, I still don't know if they're quite there yet. Um, And and we as faculty are not using the wounds, and so we can't expect the residents to love the wounds either, so. Yeah, great point. Mm -hmm. Lovely talk Mm -hmm. and and, and important subject going going forward. After all, these are the people who ultimately are are going to be in private practice. I wanna thank you very much for being so generous with your time with us Mm -hmm. today. And thank you for inviting me, thank you. I'm here with Sam Garg. Sam, you spoke on, on a very, very interesting topic. It was a, a compelling talk, too. I liked it a lot. Um, we're going to be talking about pump types and the reflection that that has on the way that, that, we, that we do cataract surgery. Now, grossly, I, I know that there are a lot of variables. There are a lot of different sorts of uh, pumps. But grossly, the uh, two big players are venturi pumps and peristaltic pumps. What are the differences between the two? And what are the variables that can be controlled in each system or, or that can't be with certain systems? 
Great question. So, you know, the two major pumps, as you said, are the peristaltic pump and the venturi pump. The peristaltic pump is sort of the pump that we were all trained on. It's a um, it's a fl- uh, it's a pump that where you control the um, aspiration and the rise time, but the vacuum is only created when you create occlusion. Uh, whereas venturi pump is is uh, vacuum based, and so the vacuum is always running, uh, and the, there's there's no de- dependence on occlusion to create that vacuum. So um, when you look at the different pump types, the peristaltic pump is very good for holding a piece of nucleus, impaling it, chopping it, um, and keeping the the um, the chamber very stable. Whereas the venturi pump is very good for having pieces come to you, followability, uh, not having to go out to the periphery of the capsule and have the pieces drawn to the center. So there's an attractability there. You know, some of the um, differences have been minimized by the uh, computer uh, modulations in the machines, at, that there's not a huge difference um, in, in chamber stability and safety anymore between the two. So I think having both available is very beneficial. Now, having, having said that, there, there are um, advantages to different systems in different contexts. Can I get you to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So, you know, I am... In general, I think that the peristaltic pump is a very um, effective pump, and it's the workhorse for most, actually, um, fake emulsification systems out there. Um, There's some systems that have peristaltic um, packs, some that have peristaltic and venturi packs, and there's some that just have venturi packs. Um, if you look at our, our vitro-retinal colleagues, they, they use purely venturi machines, and, and that's because of the, of the fluidics with that. Uh, in general, most uh, FACO machines are peristaltic, uh, but there are several, uh, the AMO signature being one, which has the capability to do both, and the uh, Bausch & Lomb Stellaris PC, which you can pick either peristaltic or venturi, both with that adaptability. Now, th- this this reflects in the techniques that we use during surgery too. And you know what what immediately comes to uh, mind is with peristaltic systems, particularly if you're running an aspiration on the low side, particularly if you're running a vacuum on the high side. When you occlude the uh, tip, you, you you there is some time that you have to wait in order to achieve that negative pressure in order to achieve vacuum. How does technique play out when you're using a venturi based system? So with a venturi-based system, you know, you don't have to have that occlusion. And so uh, in order to generate vacuum, if, if it's based on your settings, and so the, as the piece comes to the tip, uh, it doesn't have to be fully occluded. So you don't have to move your, your handpiece as much to generate that occlusion. Um, you can keep your, your handpiece in the center of the eye, I feel, and use your secondary instrument to sort of draw the fragments towards you. Uh, and so in my mind, it's actually safer uh, for, for my current technique. Yeah, cool stuff. I mean, it, it. You know, these are these are 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 complicated tools. They they each require a certain skill set. Correct. You know, and every surgeon's going to have their own comfort level with it. But you know, I urge people who are used to using one uh, type of pump to try different ones because you never know what may you may find something to be a little more useful in certain situations and to have some. Um, Exposure to it in a normal case gives you a little more confidence when things start not going as well. Valuable stuff, Sam. Sam, thank you for being so generous with your time with us today. Thank you very much. Sumitra Candlewall is Assistant Professor of Ophthalmology at the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. Sumit Sam Garg is Assistant Professor of Ophthalmology at the UC Irvine Health Gavin Herbert Eye Institute in Irvine, California. 
ask questions of Dr. Candlewall, Dr. Garg, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your comments or questions at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.